Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Today is February 14th, 2022, and our first story, a new Durham filing alleges the Clinton campaign illegally spied on Donald Trump's campaign and presidency. Donald Trump responds by saying this should warrant the death penalty. Things are getting really scary out there. In our next story, Hollywood celebrities are slammed for not wearing masks at the Super Bowl, while many virtue signal and claim we should all be doing it. They certainly don't care down in L.A. In our last story, CNN runs an article comparing Joe Rogan's controversy with January 6th. This is absolutely psychotic. Now, if you like this show, leave a good review and give us five stars. Share the show with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. In a new filing on Friday, the Durham investigation issued a report alleging that the Clinton campaign illegally spied on the Trump campaign and even the White House. Due to the severity of these accusations and the following statements made by the president and a member of Congress, I'm going to try and be very, very precise and careful as to how I describe everything that's currently going on, because my friends, dark days ahead indeed. You need only hear the headline from Newsweek to understand. Trump suggests Clinton operatives deserve death for spying operation. And when I read the stories about what these allegations are, I was shocked. And I got to be honest, a bit scared because of how serious it really is going back to 2016, 2017 to see the level of depravity and the illegal actions taken makes me fear for this country more than I have in a long time. I mean, even as I talk about civil war, as often as I do, this right here shocked me to my core when I heard it. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe the allegations. I couldn't believe the statements made. And I'm one who talks about how the political conflict is reaching the highest levels of government. Before we get started, I want to take you back in time. I want you to imagine it's 2018. It is 2018, right? And I say to you, in a few years, it will be alleged through a fe- by, by a federal prosecutor investigating the Clinton campaign that they hired someone to illegally spy on Donald Trump's campaign, that they w- it would be alleged that they were trying to frame Donald Trump for working with the Russians to destroy his campaign and his presidency. And thus, the former president would say this warrants the death penalty and a member of Congress would say right on target. You wouldn't believe me because when I said a culture war and what was happening was going to reach the highest levels of government, nay, it may have already done so. People said, Tim, you're crazy. I can't believe I'm pulling up Newsweek from yesterday morning. Trump suggests Clinton operatives deserve death. A story from today. Jim Jordan says Trump's comments are right on target. Now, I have to imagine Yeah, I'm a little still, I I got optimism bias, right? That means I think things will be okay. We're going to pull through this. I've got normalcy bias. It can't get this crazy, can it? 
Someone's going to walk back these statements. The story can't possibly be true, can it? I think it can be. I think it can be. And I want to show you exactly uh, what, the, what the hard details of this story uh, are. And I want to be very, very careful in my language. But right now I worry because Donald Trump certainly is going to be running again for president, as is, as is his right. And there are rumors Hillary Clinton wants to run again, and Joe Biden doesn't seem to be up to the task. I cannot imagine a Joe Biden re-election campaign. So I don't know exactly what will happen, but this country seems to be in trouble. I don't think it'll be Joe Biden 2024. Why? Donald Trump is already campaigning. We're in the midterm season. Trump needs to be going out and campaigning for himself, raising money for himself, but also Republicans. He's doing that. And he raised a record amount, of, or maybe not a record, but a, but a massive amount of money. Where's Joe Biden? Joe Biden never really had the strength to campaign in the first place. He was hiding. If Joe Biden is not campaigning now, I can't imagine he is going to be running and they know it. We should know mid this year whether or not Joe Biden will run for reelection because Democrats need to get on the campaign trail. And if it's not going to be Joe Biden, then it needs to be someone else who will win a primary, in which case they need to start campaigning late this year or maybe even with members of Congress. I don't know what's going to happen, but if it's Trump versus Clinton again, and we saw how bad it was, this could be the, the major rift that leads to a second civil war. And many people have said that Joe Biden could be our Buchanan, a feckless and pathetic president who presided over the period just before the civil war. Maybe I'm wrong about all of this, but I have a headline in front of you saying former president suggests former secretary of state staff deserve death. Let me read for you the news, tell you what's happening, and then show you what the president has said, former president. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com, become a member to help support our work. We are principally funded by all of you as members. We do make money off ads, but it's mostly about you guys going to TimCast.com, signing up. That's how we expand. It's how we're hiring more people. It's how we're able to do so much more. And we've got a couple nonprofits for fact-checking. We're trying. We're trying. But man, things are getting dark. As a member, you'll, you will get access to spe uh, special members-only segments of our shows, notably the TimCast IRL podcast, Monday through Thursday at 11 p.m. Those, goes up, those go up. Massive library of content, much of which is evergreen, meaning you can watch it whenever. It'll always be relevant. And uh, we, could use your, we could use your support. So don't forget to smash that like button. Subscribe to this channel. Share the show with your friends. Before I talk about what Trump said beyond what I just showed you, I want to explain from The Hill the allegations made by the Durham campaign and then a bit more details from Fox News. The reason I'm choosing The Hill is because, well, The Hill's a bit of a centrist outlet. You see their bias is considered centered by ground news. Not that it will matter to most people, but I am trying to make sure you are getting the facts and not political manipulation, but crazy stuff. The Hill reports. Durham alleges cyber analysts exploited access to Trump White House server. What you need to understand, exploit can mean a few things. In cybersecurity, an, an exploit is basically a hack. You, you have a system in place and you find something you can exploit to gain access to it. This could, however, reference someone having social access via a job or a contract. The Hill reports. John Durham, the special counsel appointed by former President Trump to investigate the FBI's probing of Russian interference in the 2016 election, 
alleged in court that a tech executive exploited access to White House data in order to find damning information about Trump. In a court filing submitted Friday, Durham's office said the executive who was referred to in legal filings only as tech executive one, but has been identified in news reports as Rodney Joff, used his company's access to non-public government domain name system DNS data through a pending cybersecurity contract as he was analyzing supposed links between Trump's organization, the Trump organization and a Russian bank. Tech Executive One's employer, Internet Company One, had come to access and maintain dedicated servers for the EOP as part of a sensitive arrangement whereby it provided DNS resolution services to the EOP, Durham's office wrote, using an acronym for the White House's Executive Office of the President. Let me try and uh, break this down in layman's terms. DNS, it's basically uh, your, your website, right? Domain name servers. So, so uh, TimCast.com, for instance. You could actually just type in the IP address. When you type in the word, it goes to a server, looks it up in a directory, redirects it to where you want it to go. Makes it easy for people to browse the web. They say he had access and maintained dedicated servers. So these are Trump's campaign's computers, basically, that people use as part of a sensitive arrangement whereby it provided DNS resolution services to the EOP. So basically, the information coming through this was go. They, they were they were spying. They were spying. That, that's that's what it is. Tech executive one and his associates exploited this arrangement by mining the EOP's, the president's campaign, office, uh, uh, executive office of the president's domain name, uh, DNS traffic and other data for the purpose of gathering derogatory information about Trump. An attorney representing Joff did not immediately respond when asked for comment. The filing came in Durham's prosecution against Michael Sussman, an attorney who represented Joff and worked on behalf of the Democrats in Hillary Clinton's 2016 campaign for a single count of making false statements to the FBI's general counsel. So, so here's what it seems like. Durham is investigating. We want to know about Russiagate and what this BS was. He, filed, he prosecutes Michael Sussman, now implicating another guy. It seems like he's going, it's, it's dominoes being knocked over. Sussman is accused of falsely telling the FBI's top attorney in a 2016 meeting that he was not representing any client when he presented data that researchers believed could have established a connection between Trump's business and the Moscow, and the Moscow-based Alpha Bank. Sussman has pleaded not guilty and denied any wrongdoing. His attorney did not immediately respond when asked for comment. Neither Joff nor the company from which he retired in 2021 at Newstar have been charged with any wrongdoing. Sussman was indicted in September of last year and prosecutors said at the time that the cybersecurity researcher he was, pre- he was representing took advantage of access to an executive branch office's servers. But the charging document did not specify the government entity. Durham alleged that Sussman was presenting the evidence in coordination with the Clinton campaign. The FBI and former special special counsel Robert Mueller investigated the purported links between Trump and the Russian bank, and it found that it was not enough evidence to support it. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on a whim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Trump, who has expressed disappointment with Durham's investigation for not sufficiently undermining the FBI's 2016 investigation into his campaign, 
hailed the special counsel's new revelations on Monday and criticized the lack of media attention. Before I read what Trump says, I want to make a political point. Right now, the January 6th committee, mainly comprised of Democrats and two anti-Trump Republicans, Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney, are using the powers of Congress to target Donald Trump's previous administration. Wake up. We are in, at the very least, a cold civil war. And we have been for years. We are in the precursor to hot conflict. Pay attention. Democrat-aligned interests and uniparty politicians are using the weight of Congress because they have that power to go after Steve Bannon and Mark Meadows and these people who work with Donald Trump, and they're trying to put them in jail. They're going after members of the media, even if you don't like them, even if you don't think they're good. Alex Jones runs a media organization. By all means, call him fake news, call him a conspiracy theorist. He runs a media organization. He has nothing to do with Trump, but they are going after him. Now, maybe you're happy they are. Fine. Donald Trump puts in, or I'm sorry, he puts in place Bill Barr. Bill Barr appoints Durham. Durham is now going after the Clinton campaign. Prosecutions. And, and Donald Trump suggesting they deserve the death penalty. It doesn't matter who you think is right when you have elements to varying degrees on both sides using the power of government to target each other. There are Democrats, there are Republicans, there is pro-Trump MAGA, there is establishment uniparty, and they are firing off lawfare, legal attacks, political conflict, and using the power of the federal government to use authority and law enforcement to go after the other side. Now, hold on there a minute. That being said, that I think is the most important aspect of this. I assume based on the people who watch my content, considering my opinions on things, you likely lean towards Trump is right, Durham is right. Maybe not, on the, maybe not on the death penalty thing. That's a bit extreme. Some of you may be calling it sedition or treason. Treason, the death penalty is aiding and abetting a foreign uh, adversary during war. It's very different. Sedition is something else. Sedition, maybe. Betraying this country for personal gain or private reasons or sub- seeking to subvert the government, maybe sedition. I'm of the opinion, based on everything I know, based on what they're doing, I think Durham's investigation's on the level. I think the January 6th committee is inherently manipulative and corrupt. Going after Alex Jones? He's on video saying, don't go in the Capitol. Why go after him? Because power. Because they, they want to abuse their power. They accused Donald Trump of Russiagate. It was fake news. I, I, I entertained it. No, fake news. Ukraine gate. Burisma. Fake news. When all of these things line up, It looks like you've got a prosecutor who's digging up things that align with what is true. The Democrats keep pushing things that are not true. Why? Power. They are going to use whatever they can to destroy their enemy. Do you think that this level of conflict with the January 6th committee, contempt of Congress subpoenas going out, they arrested Steve Bannon, Durham, prosecuting individuals, and now accusing outright the Clinton campaign of spying on the office of the executive, uh, the executive office of the president. Do you think it just stops here? Maybe, maybe. I say it every time, maybe. But when in, t- in 2018, when I put out these videos and I said, look, Antifa and the Proud Boys are fighting in the streets. This culture war has escalated to street violence from stupid complaining on the internet. What happens when it reaches the highest level of government? I said, maybe 
fighting stops now. Maybe the midterms come along. Maybe the Democrats lose so resoundingly it just stops. Or maybe both sides have enough anger and, and resentment among their own ranks for the other side that nothing will change their minds. It doesn't matter if you think you are right. But maybe it all stops here. Maybe right now, a proud boy walks into a field with a tear in his eye and sees Antifa, and they both say, we can't keep fighting like this. And they hug and they embrace. Donald Trump walks to Hillary Clinton and says, I forgive you. And she says, me too. And they hug. It's never going to happen. At least I don't think so. But maybe it does. And the reason I say that is because I can't see the future. But I tell you this, as I stated, if it was 2018 and I said a special investigator would be appointed that would accuse the Clinton campaign of illegally spying on Donald Trump to such an extreme degree that Donald Trump would say it warrants the death penalty and a member of Congress would come out and say Trump's on target. Meanwhile, a committee would be appointed in, uh, among mostly Democrats in Congress seeking to imprison members of Trump's administration, you'd be like, I don't see it getting that far. Come on. Or maybe some of you would said yes, would have said yes. I want to show you what Trump actually said. And, and, and you decide for yourself if maybe I'm, I, maybe I'm wrong about all of this. I would love to be wrong about this. This is the last thing I want to happen. I don't want anybody, to get, I don't want anybody hurt. I don't want anybody dying. I want America to come together. I just don't see how it could happen. And the media loves to say that by reporting on these things, you're eager for or advocating for. No way. I have seen conflict, civil crisis and unrest. I have seen revolution personally. You do not want to experience it. Take solace in watching the Super Bowl and mocking the celebrities and their silly whatevers. Because if this really does get bad, you will long for those days. And blessed you would call them because of the, 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 the silliness of arguing about Joe Rogan. Newsweek reports, former President Donald Trump suggested that operatives working for former Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton deserve the death penalty after reports that lawyers for her campaign paid a tech company to infiltrate Trump Tower in the White House. Trump has long insisted that he was unfairly smeared and targeted by Clinton's campaign. In a court filing last week, Durham's team, this we understand. Trump issued a statement Saturday, Saturday evening responding to the news, suggesting the death penalty would have been warranted for such actions in a different time. Quote, this is a scandal far greater in scope and magnitude than Watergate. And those who were involved in and knew about the spying operation should be subject to criminal prosecution. In a stronger period of time in our country, the crime would have been punishable by death. In addition, Reparations should be paid to those in our country who have been damaged by this. There are very, very uh, dangerous precedents being set. I want you to, uh, for a minute, in, imagine a country in which a political party pays for the pays to spy and smear, spy on and smear their rivals. Then, when they lose, they wage an impeachment campaign. Impeaching the sitting president, not once but twice, destroying his chance at a sound presidency. And I want you to imagine a country that does not prosecute the people who did this. Seems like your country is forfeit if you're unwilling to preserve it. I want you to imagine a country in which a former president, angry with the smears against him, brings on a prosecutor 
who alleges that the previous campaign violated the law. So that former president says, you don't need to imagine. I mean, this happened, says that they deserve the death penalty. But advancing beyond this, imagine a country in which this former president is reelected and advocates for the death of those who were engaged in this. The scary thing is, from the perspective of the Democrats, this would be a fascist taking power and executing his political rivals. I do not believe in the death penalty. I do not believe Trump should play games with this kind of thing. But you look at history and the reason why they do is because the reason why many people have called for the death penalty of of political criminals as such is because they eventually get out, rally support, and then gain power. Not always, but enough to where you end up with people calling for death. I think calling for death is dangerous, and I think it's wrong. But I don't have all the answers. I certainly think both sides are unwilling to accept that the either, uh, either side's narrative. I personally believe that Trump happens to be correct on this. I think Donald Trump won uh, in 2016, and I believe the Clinton campaign couldn't handle it, so they went insane, claiming the election was stolen. Donald Trump did very much the same in 2020, at the end of the 2020. And the machine and the establishment did everything in their power to shut down anybody who sided with Trump. Maybe too little too late, they realized that this was ripping this country asunder and would result in its collapse. Maybe they want it to happen. Maybe they want the, the, the double standard. Maybe they want, want it to be the Democrats could claim over and over and over again it was illegitimate. And they still do to this day. Even Joe Biden recently sang, suggesting the midterms could be illegitimate. I think it's bunk. I think here's what happened. I think Donald Trump won in 2016. I think the Hillary Clinton campaign leveraged everything they could to smear and destroy Trump. And I think it worked. I think Republicans sided with Democrats at the end of 2019 to pass universal mail-in voting laws because they're morons and don't understand how politicking works. The Democrats then engaged in what Time magazine called a shadow campaign, but were able to muster up through media smears and an entire lockdown, especially in many of these states, a campaign that did stop Donald Trump. Trump, of course, is outraged because he can't believe it. This is where we are. It's crazy. Another one for the Trump was right jar, Benny Johnson wrote. In a follow-up post, Benny Johnson wrote, The biggest story on the planet Earth right now, Clinton campaign paid to infiltrate Trump Tower, White House servers to link Trump to Russia, Durham. He shared a link to a Fox News article. A lot of people then come out and say, yeah, yeah, Trump was right. Jim Jordan, New York Post has the story. Durham filing shows Trump was right about being spied on. The top Republican in the House Judiciary Committee said Sunday that a blockbuster new federal filing proves ex-President Trump's claim he was illegally spied on. Jim Jordan noted special counsel John Durham alleged on Friday's filing. We know this. Yep, there was spying going on. And it was worse than we thought because they were spying on the sitting president of the U.S. And it goes right to the Clinton campaign. His investigation is taking a long time, but we're getting to now what we all suspected. The only thing we didn't understand was it was worse than we thought. Michael Turner of Ohio said Sunday of Durham's investigation uncovered a whole new level of corruption. I mean, this is a threat of democracy itself, Turner said on Fox News. It doesn't really matter which political campaign this is or which party this is. This is so wrong. And allegations of such a level of illegal activity that go directly to our faith in our own government that the truth must be found. 
Turner predicted that Durham's probe would implicate former CIA director John Brennan, former director of national intelligence James Clapper, and former FBI director James Comey. I think that what we see is not just political shenanigans or opposition research that you would see in normal campaigns, where people are just trying to find information about their opponents. This is where the government is being used, where information that's political opposition research that is false is being made up, is trying to be placed into the government, into the FBI, to undertake criminal investigations that are absolutely false. False. Sorry. False. This is, I just don't know. You know, this story came out on a Friday, which is, which is really, really funny. This story came out on a Friday, where stories go to die. Friday night, people are out there partying. We are not doing heavy, as much heavy news on Friday night because there's a lot less people. And the story comes out, catches, catches us off guard right before we take the day off for the weekend. Here we are Monday, though. This story is too big to be let go, to be ignored. It's absolutely, it's absolutely insane to see this. The Daily Mail reports, even Democrats call for Hillary Clinton to be investigated after special counsel Durham revealed her camp hacked Trump's White House server to link him to Russia. I believe the story's wrong. Uh, I believe the polling was done before this information was released. They say, while just 44% of the party loyalists believe she, she should be interrogated last October, the number jumped to 66% in a January polling. The story from Durham came out only a few days ago. In January, 66% of Democrats wanted wanted Clinton questioned. I believe Hillary Clinton is a criminal. I believe the destruction of over 30,000 emails, 30,000 public records, warrants a crime and a disqualification from office. What do we hear from Democrats in the establishment? But my emails, but her emails, downplaying it, acting like it was nothing. And then they say, Donald Trump flushed records down the toilet. Down the toilet? The Wrap, February 12th. Donald Trump says Maggie Haberman's toilet flushing story is a load of crap. Maybe it's not. Maybe Donald Trump does bad things. Wouldn't be surprised. Don't care either way. At this point, I don't believe this story about Trump. And I'll explain for you why. We know for a fact Hillary Clinton did delete emails because she admitted as such. She said it was just emails about yoga or whatever. It doesn't matter. They're public records. She deleted them. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. We want them. Don't know if we'll ever get them. Donald Trump apparently was flushing documents down the toilet. Uh, why? Someone made a funny meme. They said the White House has 28 fireplaces and Donald Trump flushed it down the toilet. Shows how dumb he is. And I'm like, or it shows how dumb you are for believing the story. Maggie Haberman put this information in a book to sell. And you think it's legitimate? Maybe she's telling the truth. I don't know her. I don't trust her. I don't believe her. I believe if this, if, if this information was true, she'd have, she'd have put it out way sooner. No, she sat on it. 
Former President Trump is calling a foul on New York Times reporter and author, author Maggie Haberman's upcoming book about him, Confidence Man, saying her claim that he used to flush documents down the toilet and frequently clogged the pipes in the process is a figment of her creative imagination. The big takeaway is that you have ripped up papers and flushed them down the toilet. What is your reaction and what you are hearing on other mainstream channels about in this book by Maggie Haberman? Kane asked. Yeah, it's fake news and she's a fake writer. It's a totally false story. She made it up. I don't believe they have sources. Who is going to be a source for that anyway? Who would know that? There is no source. They make it up. You know, they, they oftentimes, these fake writers like her, blah, blah, blah. You know why I don't believe this story? Trump would just put the documents in a shredder. I mean, he wouldn't even need to use a fireplace. You put them in the shredder and they're gone. And also, what year is it? Documents. Oh, no. Physical paperwork. We don't put documents in paper for the most part. I mean, we do have papers, but they're, on, they're printed somewhere. There's a printer with a computer with all these documents on those computers. Sure. The argument can be that Donald Trump is dumb. Okay. I'm not going to completely disagree. The people he hired, the advice he took, John Bolton. Come on. When you have a populist movement saying no war, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm going to hire the guy who wants war. Maybe listen to your own base. When the American conservative put out a story saying fire Bolton and hire Tulsi Gabbard, a progressive, as your national security advisor, they're like, maybe you should listen to the populists because they're willing to bring on other other populists like Tulsi Gabbard so long as we, we agree on this. But Trump, he made his mistakes, man. He did a lot of good things. He made his mistakes. I don't believe the story. But what you need to understand is Many people on the left are in a cult. They believe insane things. They believed Russia. They believed Jussie Smollett. They believed the Covington kids. They believed the story about Michael Brown, hands up, don't shoot. They believed all of this fake news. Jussie Smollett, the one really gets me. They just believe it. And these people are zealous. So what do you think happens after all this? Donald Trump saying that these people in a stronger time would get death is one of the stupidest and most and, and potentially most irresponsible things someone could say, especially now. We need the investigation. We need accountability. But he is adding fuel to the fire to give the, these Democrat establishment types the, the, the opportunity to go to their base and say he wants to kill us. Stupid. It doesn't matter, though. Point I've made before is. The, the rallying phase of this, the Cold Civil War is over. The lines have been drawn. And I think a lot of people are going to want to be left alone. I certainly don't want to be involved in whatever it is this is escalating into, and I don't want it to happen. I enjoy making videos arguing about the Super Bowl. It's annoying making videos talking about Joe Rogan, but at least we can argue and debate cultural issues. We're well past that point. With what happened in 2020, with what happened in 2016, you have these two extreme instances. When Donald Trump got elected, let me let me explain something to you guys. All right. I like Donald Trump for a lot of reasons. I think he made a lot of mistakes. I thought that he was doing good. I thought the economy was going well. Here's if you're if you're a Trump supporter or a Biden supporter, I want you to understand something. If you like Donald Trump, everything you feel about Joe Biden right now and what you see. That's what the left thinks and feels about Donald Trump. If you like Joe Biden and you hate Donald Trump, everything you feel about Donald Trump is what the other side feels about Joe Biden. Understand, 
the feelings the, op- the other side has. I'm not saying it'll solve your problems. It won't change your beliefs, but you'll understand. And then I'll say this. Personally, for all of Trump's problems, I think you can say trade war, good things and bad things about it. We don't want a trade war. But Donald Trump was trying to bring factories back to the U.S. It was causing problems in certain areas. The media manipulated footage and lied about Donald Trump. Take a look at the story about uh, Shinzo Abe and the president. Donald Trump was seen, zoomed in, he throws food into a koi pond and everyone made fun of him because you're supposed to sprinkle it. But in the real uncut footage, Donald Trump was only following Shinzo Abe of Japan, who had done the same thing. Lies. The very fine people hoax. Watch the full transcript. Donald Trump outright condemns extremist groups before saying there were regular people there. The media and Joe Biden lied about that. You see, I do this research all day, every day. I see the lies. So when I see stories about flushing documents down the toilet, that was this information was withheld for how long? So that Ma- Maggie Haberman could have it in her book and sell books? I think she's lying. I think she's lying. I don't know where we go from here. Look back at history and read about the Civil War. Read about the, 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 how long it took. I mean, it was 80 plus years of cultural animosity. In the American War for Independence, which took about 20 years, mind you, three years separated the Boston Tea Party and the Boston Massacre. Several states and founding fathers made deals with southern states because the southern states had slavery. Thomas Jefferson did own slaves. But it is, it is said, historically, that he had removed a passage in the Declaration of Independence, which criticized the crown's enslaving of people from Africa because they, were, they feared southern states would not join the cause for independence if slavery was threatened. But how could you reconcile these ideas enshrined by the Constitution and the Founding Fathers while still having slavery in this country? The cultural issues that led to the Civil War were present then. And all of this stuff built up to a civil war. But in the 1850s to 60s, it was speeding up and it was getting crazier, faster and faster. And I think we may be at that point. Like I said, some, you know, other people have mentioned Biden could be our Buchanan, the, the weak and feckless president that presided just before the Civil War. Abraham Lincoln gets elected and you see what happens next. I fear. With everything we're seeing, with things being said, Donald Trump saying, a stronger time, these people would be dead. Death penalty. Do you think the Democrats are going to accept his step into re-election? Of course they won't. Because he's threatening them with the death penalty. They will do anything to resist him becoming president. Even seceding from the union and seeking shelter somewhere else. I don't know exactly what will happen. But Donald Trump, I think, could win again. And if he does, do you think all that anger and fear among the Democratic establishment, goes away? No. Joe Biden was lucky for them. The media smears were lucky, but the media, their ratings are in the gutter. All, uh, parallel economies are emerging. I think it's entirely possible. Donald Trump wins. The establishment Democrats, the Clintons, the Podestas, lose their minds. And then, desperate people take desperate actions. But we will see. I can't see the future. And I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out. And I'll see you all then. For the first time in my life, 
I made several bets on a sporting event. I don't watch football or basketball or any of that stuff. I watch skateboarding and other, you know, action sports. But yesterday was the Super Bowl. And we were hanging out at Barstool Sports over in West Virginia at the casino. It was awesome. They got this big screen. And uh, I didn't realize you could make bets on insane things. So I walk up to the guys at the, at the, uh, the you know, the, the bookie or whatever you call them. And uh, they probably have a better name than that. I don't know. And I was just like, uh, uh, so, so what do I do? How do I bet on the Super Bowl? And he was like, you can bet on anything you want. And I was like, do I bet like one team to win? He's like, yeah. I was like, who's going to win? He's like, well, the Rams are favored to win. And then I was like, that's boring. I don't want to just bet on that. And he's like, you can bet on the coin toss. So I put a hundred bucks down on the coin toss heads to win. And then I, he was like, you can bet on the coin toss and your team to win. And I was like, let's do it. Let's, let's bet on the coin toss and the Rams to win. So I won those both. I had a couple other bets like uh, uh, three players scoring a touchdown. Um, I didn't get that. And I had a bet on coach challenges, at least two. And uh, I, I, I didn't get the Gatorade bet. But anyway, look, I'm bringing this up because yesterday was fun. All right. The Super Bowl is fun. You're hanging out with friends. We had wings. We had nachos. We had nachos on more than one occasion. We had nachos early and nachos later because I got this. It's, it's, it's fantastic. They have this big screen in the middle of the restaurant. Having a good time. That's what it's all about. Laughing, joking, enjoying a good bit of entertainment and getting away from everything. Unfortunately, we're still in the midst of it. And what the Super Bowl has done, I think, is it's revealed Man, not only does the emperor not have any clothes, but the dude is completely out of his mind because at a certain point we realize the mask mandates and all the stuff they've been doing for COVID doesn't make any sense because they don't actually engage in, in, they don't actually follow the rules. And what I mean by they, I mean the advocates for these things, the celebrities, the virtue signalers. The big news before the Super Bowl was that there were going to be some strict rules. But now we're getting this in the Daily Mail, Hollywood Super Bowl mask hypocrisy. Outrage after A-list stars, just Ben Affleck, J-Lo, flout California's indoor mandate, while kids in the Golden State still have to wear them to school today. You know how I feel. You know how I feel. I feel like these people don't care about children. In fact, they probably hate children. And I don't just mean the celebrities. I mean like the politicians, but a lot of the celebrities. I think these celebrities are just absolutely the worst. So when I'm trying to enjoy a show and not think about this stuff, it's have a good time with my friends at the at the, the playbook and, you know, we're having nachos. You know, the, the point of betting on this stuff is just to make it a little bit more fun. It's not because I'm not I'm not big on, you know, how many yards or, you know, who scored the touchdown. So that's why I bet on the coin toss and things like that, just to make the game a little bit more silly. So I had something to root for. Instead, what happens is. You get uh, virtue signaling to an extreme degree. Eminem taking a knee is now big news. And really, we're still doing this? Come on, man. You know, he takes a knee. Everyone pretends like there's some kind of outrage, but nobody cares because the dude is just, nobody cares about you, dude. Like, I understand these people are rich and famous. They do the halftime show. So Eminem during the halftime show, he takes a knee. And now everybody's screaming that it was a millennial halftime show. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. Dr. Dre is in his mid to late 50s. That's not millennial. But this is like the big argument now because nobody cares. Nobody cares. When Eminem takes a knee as if it's going to be news, they're like, Eminem was told not to do it. And then everyone's like, I'm more concerned with the age range of what the halftime show is. So I definitely want to talk about the cultural implications there. Well, we've got to talk about the restrictions and the Super Bowl. And I just think if you aren't, if you're not at the point where you realize this is all one big BS virtue signal, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I understand the point of masks. 
And I, I don't understand why you get people on the right saying masks don't work when I'm like, clearly they, they do. It's like you spit when you talk. I, sometimes I spit when I'm talking, recording these videos. It's not intentional, but you don't want to spit on people. You might get them sick if you're sick. But I can understand the concern over mandates, and I can understand the concern over if you're not sick, is the mask really going to stop anything? The general idea, uh, the general idea being make everybody wear masks, and then if anybody is coughing or spitting because they might be sick, well, we don't know who it is, so just make everybody wear masks, and then people will get less sick. Sure. I'm not a fan of that authoritarian, uh, authoritarianism stuff, right? Well, right now, the issue is that in schools, children have to wear masks. And we've got photos that are shockingly offensive of like, you know, Stacey Abrams sitting there with all these kids, no mask. And it's the craziest thing is like, did you forget your own advocacy? No, it's because they don't have any advocacy. Let me show you. Here's uh, J-Lo and Ben Affleck. They ain't wearing masks. Here we got uh, Matt Damon. He ain't wearing a mask. We got Charlize Theron. She ain't wearing a mask. Who are these people? Kendall Jenner, Justin, and Haley Bieber. No masks. We get it. Oh, look at Ellen. No masks. No, Portia de Rossi. No mask. Kanye and his kids and Kevin Hart and blah, blah. Look at these celebrities. Nobody is wearing masks. Nobody. Now, hold on there a minute. Actually, I want to say this, you, you could give them credit a lot of these people and just be like, they're fed up. They're not taking it and they don't have to. The problem is the poor people, the regular working class people and children don't have the luxury to be like, I can do whatever I want. Take a look at this from People Magazine. Everything to know about Super Bowl COVID precautions, including mask mandates and vaccine rules. The 2022 Super Bowl will take place Sunday, February 13th at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California. We get it. They say, Attendees do not need to be vaccinated. So no vax mandate. I had people tweeting at me like, why are you supporting an event where they mandate vaccines? Well, my understanding is they didn't, but you did need a negative test. And apparently you still have to wear masks. They say, you know, that the NFL has issued guidelines for people watching the stands this year, including a mask mandate that requires all spectators over age two to wear a mask. And anybody uh, who's going there, I think over the age of five, five years and older, had to get a negative test. So here's what happens. You have these mask mandates. Conservatives complain about it, say children should not be forced to wear masks. YouTube bans them for it. Okay. You then get people on the left saying, shut up and wear a mask. It's for everyone's own good. Celebrities come out and don't wear masks. And all of a sudden they say, now I'm seeing these tweets and they're like, oh, calm down. What's the big deal? We're all just trying to have a good time. The problem is you're in a cult where you don't care about what's actually going to benefit humans, you celebrate and defend all of these people ignoring the rules and many of these people who align with Democrat party policy and advocate for them. Not all of them. They're mostly just celebrities. But come on, LeBron James, he's woke as woke can get. He defends China. Yet when it comes to him, he doesn't have to play by the rules. It's stupid. It's stupid. But it's obvious. It's obvious. I, I honestly, I'm, I'm kind of over it. You know, there are a couple other stories uh, I was looking at before film re recording this one. I got a bunch of stuff lined up for uh, working that I'm working on right now. And I thought to myself, you know, maybe I should just talk about news from, you know, the day before yesterday or yesterday or something, because do we even really care about this? I think the problem is we may, you know, we're adults and I can go out in West Virginia and I don't got to wear any masks or anything like that because they don't have that here. But kids in a bunch of places do. And it's almost like the, uh, man, I'll say, I'll say this. I think millennials are incredibly self-centered, incredibly selfish, 
And uh, I think the Super Bowl really exemplifies a lot of it. Main character syndrome. You know what that is? It's where all these young people think they're like the main character of whatever the story is instead of realizing that you are just a humble speck in an indifferent universe. Okay, not entirely, but you know, your life matters. But it's not like you're the main character. There is no main character. It's just a bunch of people living their lives trying to get by. So they think the rules don't apply to them or they think everything is about them. And I got to say, with the halftime show debate over the age range of these artists, I'm like, really? You know, millennials are trying to take credit for a Gen Xer event. And I, and I got the data to back this up. I understand you might be millennial and you're familiar with some of the artists at the halftime show, but let me, I, dude, when Dr. Dre was coming out with his music, I was like six or seven years old, okay? That music was not relevant to my childhood. You're not going to be like, there's a millennial event because Dr. Dre, who's 56, no, no. I mean, if some, one of these, there's, some of these guys are a bit younger, but millennials just making it about themselves is the funniest thing ever. And when I actually, I tweeted out some guy, he's a Gen Xer, and he's like, this is clearly a Gen X event. I get millennials being like, no, it wasn't. It was millennial. <laughs> nah, you're wrong. You're wrong. So this is it. Mask hypocrisy. At this point, how much, how much do any of you care? We know they're liars. We know they're hypocrites. And so I guess the bigger issue is what I see with this. The lie is breaking. You know, if they can't maintain their own facade, well, then they, it seems like they stopped trying. You know, they, they, these are, the, these are the, the, the people that are used as it's like it's the, the, they're, the, they're the victors, right? And that's a great way to put it. Somebody commented when I, when I tweeted about this, they said, you know, things are, aren't, aren't going so well in the districts, but things in the capital seem to be going well. Celebrities are like the victors. They get, they get these people who are, you know, many of them for humble, up, humble upbringings or middle class backgrounds. They become celebrities. Not all of them. Some of them are just born rich and, and wealthy. They, they rise up and now they're all here partying, flouting the rules that doesn't apply to them, being paraded around to convince everybody that. You know, just do as you're told. Life is good. They virtue signal. And then they bask in the glory of their wealth because they're the victors. They won the Hunger Games. The rest of us, you know, I don't want to say. I suppose, depending on where you live, you can get by. But let's talk about the real issue here. Narrative's broken. Completely broken. The mask thing is obvious to everybody, but take a look at this. Eminem took a knee during his Super Bowl halftime performance, and surprisingly, nobody really cares. Uh, no, nobody cares about aging, nearly 50-year-old rapper taking a knee for some reason. In uh, Why? I, I have no idea what taking a knee is supposed to represent. Is it in support of Black Lives Matter or Colin Kaepernick or something like that? We ain't doing that anymore. Nope, people, are people still taking knees? Is that a thing? All right, CNN reports. Super Bowl, uh, Sunday Super Bowl halftime show featured some of the greatest artists in hip-hop, but it also saw Eminem taking a knee. The kneeling took place after he played Lose Yourself from 2002. Can I just, just want to remind you guys, I was like, that song came out, I was 15 or 16 years old. And uh, <clears throat> just the song's not really relevant to me. I guess for a lot of 16-year-olds, they may have been listening to that, but I don't know, man. Kaepernick, former court. Oh, okay, there you go. The kneeling gesture became a controversy, blah, blah, blah. Athletes did it and blah, blah, blah. The Detroit rapper raised his fist. And wrapped F that. This is for Colin. Oh, there you go. Ball up a fist and keep that ish bald like Donald the B. <laughs> Are you? Oh, okay. That was in 2017. Wait, wait. In 2017, during the BET Hip Hop Awards, he performed a 4.5 minute freestyle rap calling out the president. So, so I, I just, 
I just, I, I'm. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Donald Trump is not the president, man. This is where we're still at. These people don't have anything left. They have nothing to rally behind. They have nothing to unite them. They have no cohesive culture. The only thing they had was Donald Trump and they lost him. And now they're like a, a, a whiny ex who won't shut up. It's like you take your friend out to the bar and you're like, just like the good old days back in college, my wife left me. And you're like, dude, is that all you are? All you do is complain about your wife and how she left you. We get it, man. Is this it? Yo, you divorced him. And this is what they have to offer. Super Bowl, man, you got to love it. This is what it's all about. I'll tell you this, officials, the DHS were, were saying there was going to be a convoy style protest, potentially at the Super Bowl. I thought that was a lie. And uh, apparently it was a lie. I think they were trying to trick people into protesting the Super Bowl because they needed an enemy. They needed something and they did not get it. Now over the weekend, police cleared out the Ambassador Bridge, the trucker protest. You know, and I was thinking maybe that's a more important story to talk about with the news and everything. But culturally, I think the Super Bowl was just, you know, I'm just seeing everything about the Super Bowl. And um, we need to, you know, there's more updates on, on what's going on outside the protest that's developing today. So I figured, you know, we'll do a more comprehensive view on this maybe later tonight or something. But uh, no, 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 no protest. It didn't happen. Let, let's talk about cultural issues. I think, I think our culture is doomed. And I know, um, you know, maybe this doesn't seem as important. And I got to be honest, it probably isn't as important. But I'm watching this stuff. I was when we were when when we were at the at the bar and we were watching the halftime show. I was just watching this like, yeah, this is it. This is it's it's all over. American culture. People like to point out that the halftime shows are usually for boomers and they'll get like Rolling Stones and like older bands and stuff like that to play. And I'm like, yeah, but they usually still get celebrities. They still get like mainstream modern celebrities to perform, which I guess they you know they did to a certain extent. But uh, watching that halftime show and seeing Dr. Dre, Mary J. Blige, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, 50 Cent, and Kendrick Lamar, and I was just like, that's it. We don't, we don't got anything left. It's become so watered down, generic, and confusing. Nobody even knows who this show is for. Millennials, Gen Xers, Zenny, like what is it? So let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me tell you something. Dr. Dre is 56 years old, and they had him up there rapping. I watch that and I just think like, you know, when, when, I'll, I'll, let me slow down because I, I don't, when you're at a restaurant, you hear music, right? You'll notice that depending on the restaurant you're in, they'll play music for the, for the key, the key demographic by which they, they want to make money off of. It's, it's kind of obvious they do this, right? I was, I remember I was in Hoboken, New Jersey, like four or five years ago. And I went to this restaurant. It's really nice. It's a really great restaurant. And uh, it was like it was like bar food, but you know better. It was like an actual sit down place. And they were playing songs from like you know two thousand. They were playing like Kryptonite by Three Three Doors Down, and uh, other other radio jams. And I laughed because I was like, I know these songs. I listened to them when I was a kid, but it's not what me and my friends were listening to because this was like like mainstream older people music to us. 
like we listen to Kryptonite, you know, by Three Doors Down and stuff like that, but like Pearl Jam and like Nirvana, where I certainly know those bands and my band, we covered Nirvana stuff. The issue was like that stuff was like 90s into 2000s. What really, so here's how it works. Here's what I'm trying to explain. Typically, when a restaurant or any venue is playing music, they're trying to trigger you emotionally for nostalgia, but they're not going for childhood. They're going for your personal formative years, which is usually college. So typically, if you go to a place, they will be a restaurant will play music from when their key, when they, when their patrons were in college. So when you go to a restaurant and they're playing music, typically they want to get 25 to 54 year olds, but it's usually around 30 or so, depending on the area. And that means the music they'll play is from 10 or 15 years ago when these people were likely in college. Because that's when they were hanging out with their friends, they were partying all night, and they were like, yeah, we're out on our own for the first time. Maybe late high school, 2, 17, 18, you're driving now, you're getting out of the house. That's what they go for. Typically how they play it. This music, Dr. Dre, I was 10. I was like eight or nine. Mary J. Blige, same thing. Like, I've heard all this stuff. Snoop Dogg, 50. Yo, Snoop Dogg was around in the 90s, man. I was a little kid. This stuff didn't matter to me. What, what, what are they trying to bring back? Memories of me, like, going to the, the park with my parents or, like, being 10 years old and riding my bike down the street? Eminem. Yo, I remember when My Name Is came out and I was 12 years old and my friends all laughed about it. But that music didn't have an impact on me because I'll, t- I'll put it this way. And maybe I'm wrong about this. But my understanding in, uh, in you know, having done work and marketing and stuff like that, they want to go for your formative years. And the music that mattered most to me was like late high school into er- like early 20s when I was going out on my own and hanging out with my friends and having these emotional experiences. But when I was a little kid and they played Eminem, it was just what was being played. And so when we would sing along to it, like the Macarena or whatever, it was because older people told us to listen to it. It wasn't formative for me. It wasn't something I listened to when I was like, this is my choice. This is my life. When I started getting older, late teens into you know college years, this is when I, me and my friends found our own music. We started listening to, to uh, other songs and a lot of pop culture stuff, absolutely, for sure. Like, oh man, I remember those songs, man. Where was I? I was hanging out with my friends. We were, you know, we were young and we were crazy and we were drinking. I listened to this stuff and I was like, yep, I remember being 12 years old, riding my bike down the park and someone was playing My Name Is. So this guy, Seton O'Connor said, it's a Gen X halftime show. Sorry, boomers and millennials. You aren't taking this from us too. Seton O'Connor says, boomers taking all the money, millennials taking all the credit. It's true. Everyone's trying to argue that halftime show was millennial or whatever. 50 Cent is 46, okay? He is Gen X, young Gen X, potentially Xennial, the in-between, you know, the valley between millennial and Gen Xer. Eminem, outright Gen Xer. Snoop Dogg, Mary J. Blige, J- Dr. Dre. Yo, they're all Gen X. Let me show you this. My Name Is, the song, it was recorded in 1998 and released when I was 12 years old, all right, it, in uh, uh, 1999. I'm 12. And so this is like, man, how, what grade was I, seventh or eighth grade? So my friends played it. It was a big song. But I'm not going to be, I don't know, man. When I watched the halftime show, I wasn't, I'm not thinking about being 12 years old and rapping along with my friends as we walked to school. You know what I mean? I, maybe that's just me. But check this out. Dr. Dre is the best, is the better example. When they try and claim that Dr. Dre rapping here is a millennial thing, it's absolutely not. But this is what I'm talking about. Our culture is fried. Millennials are arrogant, self-interested, egocentric. Millennial is trending. Viral posts on Reddit, yo, this millennial halftime show says one thing, you know, blah, blah, blah. 
It's not. It's not millennial, man. Dr. Dre, musical career started in 1985. NWA was 86 to 91. The Chronic and Death Row Records, 91 to 96. Moved to Aftermath Entertainment, 96 to 2000. I get it, man. He's been working since then. He still works. He's still involved in this stuff. But dude was the 90s. Active in 1985. Marshall, Eminem. Uh, uh, let's, 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 let's pull up Eminem, uh, all right? Eminem started years active, 1988. Yo, these, 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 this is, it's, it's Gen Xer stuff. Maybe not even necessarily Gen Xer stuff. I don't know, man. Maybe there's a lot of people who are Gen X or who, a lot of people are saying like, I listen to classic rock and stuff like that. And like Nirvana and things like that. Yeah, that's true. You'd think they'd go, they'd go for, I, I, I gotta be honest. I don't know what they were going for. I really, really don't. There's got, there, there would be a mix. I guess they were doing like a tribute to, to rap or something like LA rappers. People were saying, but yo, seeing like 56 year olds up there, I got no beef by all means be Gen X or, and listen to this stuff. But they were going for like urban hip hop Gen Xers. That's what it was all about. I don't see how that's millennial. Let me show you this. And I know this is not indicative of all millennials, but this is the When We Were Young Festival. Man, I watched this. I remember I, I remember people talking about this coming out. When We Were Young, My Chemical Romance and Paramore headlining. Oh man, I'll be honest. I do like Paramore. I do like My Chemical Romance. And I don't think they have the greatest songs in the world. But this is the stuff that uh, I was listening to when I was, I was like, I don't know, what, 15, 16, 17, 18. And then as I got older, I started to listen to like more serious stuff. And so this is, this is funny because uh, for, for me growing up in Chicago, this is what, and skate park stuff, this is what everybody was listening to. That being said, I don't think this stuff was the most popular music, to be completely honest. I, I know it wasn't. So it's interesting. It's basically the Vans Warped Tour, but it was very, very popular. This stuff was more relevant to me as a millennial. And, uh, and we did listen to, you know, I don't know, man. I, this is the stuff that was on the radio all the time. AFI, The Used, Taking Back Sunday, A Day to Remember. But I think if we go back and we look at what was actually the, the, the top billboard charting stuff, I don't, I don't think, you know, I don't think you can call it millennial, what we saw at the Super Bowl. I will admit, I'm exhausted. We're out all night, Super Bowl, you know, hanging out, having a good time. So it's a, it's a tired, tired Monday, to put it mildly. But I don't know, man. The Super Bowl seemed just wacky. It seems uh, disconnected, right? I can't tell what's, what, what, what's happening anymore in terms of like a cohesive culture. I can't tell. And maybe you feel this way. The, uh, the United States feels dejected, broken apart. You know, uh, I talk about civil war and maybe the thing is it's not just about jurisdiction or borders or boundaries or virtue signaling. It's about uh, cohesive culture of which there isn't. It seems disparate and fractured. Like, I don't know who they were going for with this Gen Xers, I guess, but I don't even think among Gen Xers, this is the most entertaining stuff to even watch. But I get it, man. You know, they have the Rolling Stones come out all super old when they're trying to get, you know, get boomers to watch. And maybe that's just it. Maybe I look at this and I'm like seeing these aging rappers. This is weird. It's going to be really, really funny. I'll tell you this. When in like five or 10 years, you've got like a 40 or 50 year old My Chemical Romance or Alkaline Tree or whatever. And I'm just going to be like, all right, when I look at Bayside. Wow. When we were young. That's a funny thing, dude. I'm 35. I listen to this stuff, but sure, I get it. Whatever, man. I'm pretty sure I'm older than these people. Like, 
It's, isn't the the, uh, the the lady from Paramore, what is she, like 30-something, like early 30s? Like, dude, we're not that old. We're not even middle-aged, like just in our 30s or whatever, man. I guess, I don't know, is this targeting people who are young or something? Whatever, man. I hope you woke up from your Super Bowl Sunday parties and you're having a good time and you're having a nice cup of coffee and you're waking yourselves up. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then. CNN has unironically published an article titled Joe Rogan's use of the N-word is another January 6th moment. Look, for everything that January 6th was and wasn't, it was bad. It was a riot. People lost their lives. CNN is this desperate. It's just so sad how desperate they are. But it shows you that the Joe Rogan controversy is far from over. It's been ongoing now for like, what, two months? And it's never going to be over. Because Joe Rogan's a big fish. He, is, he, he, he dominates these here parts. And CNN needs a Trump figure, a target to go after. This is why I was critical, or I should say I disagreed with Joe Rogan's apology. And um, I have to say I was to a degree correct about what was going to happen. By apologizing for what I, I understand why Joe felt bad about these videos, but you need to understand there was there's one thing that I think Joe Rogan probably should apologize for, and not even necessarily. And it was his Planet of the Apes story, which I think was, it was bad. It's a bad story. I understand why people are offended by that. Yo, it's bad. But Joe apologized for this compilation of out-of-context clips of him saying the N-word in a variety of contexts, mostly describing things. He never called anyone the N-word. That, that's a fact. The Young Turks had the same thing happen to them. Hassan Piker, someone pulled a video of him saying the N-word. And it's funny how their response is, yeah, but that's out of context. As if the clips of Joe weren't. It's because these people don't care. This is why I get so frustrated when Joe comes out and apologizes. Here's what I said was going to happen. If he apologizes, several things. One, he pours fuel on the fire, reignites the story, adding a reason to keep talking about it. Second, Joe takes a small fringe element talking about this, and they had been for a, for a while, and he amplifies it through his own voice on his show and makes sure everybody knows Maybe there's a good reason for him to apologize then because he wants everyone to know. But the issue is you're only apologizing to bad faith individuals who are manipulating context, lying, cheating, and stealing. And your fans know you're not a bad dude and they don't care. Aside from this absolutely psychotic article that came up just the other day, which I just find absolutely hilarious. And I will, I will mention CNN changed the headline saying shrugging off Joe Rogan's N-word use is dangerous. You want, where, where do you think we're at right now? Let me, let me ask you. And you've seen the headline, so there's some information there. I'm not you know, trying to build too much suspense, but what did I say was going to happen? It's like that. Uh, the way I described it was in a previous segment, Ivan Vanko in Iron Man 2. You know, he's in jail in Monaco. Tony Stark walks in. You love the Marvel references, don't you? And he's like, you lost. I win. And uh, Vanko is like, you lose. And he was like, I'm not the one sitting in prison. And he was like, when you make God bleed, the blood will be in the water and the sharks will come. The point is, when Joe Rogan is forced to issue two statements addressing bad faith smears against him, 
He's not, what, 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 when, when they get him to. Do you think they're going to stop now? They're like, it's working. No, 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 no. Okay? When you're in the battleship, you know, the star cruiser, and they're like, you focus all fire on the left shields. And they're like, the shields are breaking now. And then everyone fires. No one's going to stop. They're not going to be like, victory is at hand, gentlemen. Turn around and go home. We're done here. No way. The, 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 the pult culture war, culture warriors are going to be like, we found his weakness. Go for it. And that's what's happening. Check this out from Newsweek. This story just from this morning. Joe Rogan slammed over video showing podcast guest discussing black people. That's one way to title it. Specifically, they're saying it was um, Joey Diaz. I, I believe it was Joey. Let me see. They say on Sunday, Patriot Take shared a clip showing the broadcaster laughing as Cuban-born comedian Joey Diaz spoke about black people crowding a Popeye's chicken restaurant in an upscale L.A. neighborhood. Here's my understanding of the clip. The clip is 10 years old or so. It's Joe Rogan hanging out on a live stream, and it appears that he's talking about how people got mad at him over comments he made about, you know, he said him saying black people talking on a like a, a, like a, he saw a black guy talking on a phone, holding the phone in front of his face or something. And then they got mad at him for bringing that up. Joey Diaz makes a comment about Popeye's chicken and stuff like that. For this, Joe Rogan's being slammed as racist. Or once again, once again, they're trying to reignite it. Now, Newsweek's pretty good. And, you know, I, 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 we've, we've had, uh, we, we've had, we've had Batia Unger Sargon on the show, and she does their opinion, I believe she's opinion editor, and she's fantastic, but she's, you know, liberal, but she's just, you know, waking up to all the craziness that's going on. I think Newsweek does a good job, but it just goes to show how the media is easily manipulated. The first video of Joe that went viral was, was pulled up by Patriot Takes. It's a, it's a propaganda piece for a super PAC. Its goal is to get Democrats elected or whatever. So they take this existing old video that had already been around for years, nobody cared about, and they start pushing it. Media, you know, uh, propagandists and activists start playing it up, and then Joe issues an apology, making the video 10 times bigger, but also saying, hey, everybody, I want you to look at Patriot Takes. Look at Patriot Takes over here. This is why you don't address this stuff when it really has nothing to do with your body of work that you're currently producing. Joe's already talked about this stuff. He's already said he doesn't, he, he doesn't want to say that or whatever. And now here he is being forced into this position. Joe, by, by apologizing, amplifies this group who now comes out and they saved it. Of course they did. Of course they did. Tabitha Southey says, again, Rogan's racism and misogyny are not a bug. They're a feature. I don't even think she knows what that means, to be honest. His entire success rests on how accessible he makes these things to casual races and bigotry uh, and bigotry user. Joe Rogan is the graphical user interface of hate. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. The video is extremely old. Look, Joe has hair in it. But of course, this is the point. When Patriot, here, here's, here's my opinion. When Patriot takes, put up this video of Joe, I'm sure they held back portions. Because here's what you do. You, if, you, if you get 10 documents, right? Say they're damning documents implicating a politician. You don't just release them all at once and say, there it is, everybody have a good day. Look at what Project Veritas does. What you do is you release one that gets a little murmuring going on. Then you release a big one and everyone goes, whoa, whoa, wait, what's going on here? Then you wait. Then once everybody's slowly settling down, you drop the hammer. Boom, the big revelation. You guide people in and then smack them with the bigger stories. This video going viral. 
you know, Joe addresses it. Patriot Takes probably has way more because Joe Rogan's produced what, like almost 2,000 shows over 10 years? Of course, they will have more. And when they take the first video out of context, of course, they'll take other videos out of context. It's funny because, you know, I've thought about what's the point of archiving these old shows the way we do on YouTube, like these videos I've made. I have a bunch of videos where I say things I don't believe anymore about gun control, for instance. That's a good example. My opinions change. But you can go back and look at, you know, uh, um, cultural or contemporary context and then make someone seem completely irrational. One of the things I'd said in the past was I was talking specifically in context about the New York Times. This is one of the things they tried to do to me. I said something like, I trust Dave Rubin more than I trust the New York Times. But I was specifically talking about a single story. So there was an issue of some, the New York Times wrote some story. And then I said something like, am I going to believe this? I don't trust the New York Times. And I was like, I'd, I'd be more inclined to trust, trust Dave Rubin. I wasn't saying that in every circumstance, always, Dave Rubin is more trustworthy than the New York Times. I wasn't saying that in every single circumstance, the New York Times is completely untrustworthy. I think the New York Times has a lot of credible news, and I think they're heavily biased, so take it for what it is. But if you were to say something like, an article came out saying Dave Rubin did a backflip. Dave Rubin says he did a front flip. And then I said that, and then said, look, I'm not going to trust the New York Times. I don't trust them. I would trust Dave Rubin over the New York Times. You understand how you can take that statement and then make it seem like I'm saying I will never trust any news from this outlet when I'm not saying it. I mean, Right Wing Watch did it with my comments on the Second Amendment just recently. Why would I apologize for something I did not say? Joe Rogan didn't use the N-word. He said it in context related to comedy specials, documentaries, and describing circumstances. But here we go. Now you've got CNN. This is it just... Man, look at this one. Let me, let me read a little bit of this CNN article. This is hilarious. The podcaster Joe Rogan did not join a mob that forced lawmakers to flee for their lives. Oh, my. I just. You know what, man? I find it funny, but never have I wanted to punch my monitor more than now. It's my inanimate object that I, I, I'm not going to damage. But I'm just looking at this like this is the most psychotic, derivative mishmash, hodgepodge, algorithm-driven garbage I have ever seen. Okay. They say, he never carried a Confederate flag inside the U.S. Capitol Rotunda. No one died trying to stop him from using the N-word. But what Rogan and those that defend him have done since video clips of him using the N-word surface on social media is arguably just as dangerous as what a mob did. Shut your mouth, John Blake, you moron. This, you know what, man, you get me so mad. Let me tell you what this is. This is CNN saying, nobody wants to watch us anymore. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take two key phrases. Joe Rogan, January 6th, smack them together, and we're going to put it on the internet, and then Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and we'll promote it in their algorithms. That's how it works. This is why people are losing their minds. Because what happens is you'll get some woke writer from Vice and they'll write something like racism is bad. And then they'll put it on the internet and then Facebook and all these other algorithms will be like, this one seems to play really well. And then they'll make an article saying like police brutality is bad. And that one does well. And then they go, wait a minute, 
racist police brutality is racist. Now you've got two keywords or two key phrases popping up, pumping you out to the masses so you can get more and more and more and more and more views. That's the name of the game. And this is just a, a, a level of absurdity beyond absurdity. There's nothing about these two moments that are anything related to each other, but here it is. Rogan breached a civic norm that has held America together since World War II. It's an unspoken agreement that we would never return to the kind of country we used to be. That agreement revolved around the simple rule. A white person should never be able to publicly use the N-word again and not pay a price. Use. Use the N-word. You see what happens. This is why I just say, like, don't, don't apologize to these people. They, they're, they're not being honest. Joe didn't use the N-word. Use. Okay, let's talk about what use means. To use a word would mean to um, take that word and apply its definition in the function of a sentence or description, right? So using the word run. If someone said to you, use the word run in a sentence, you would not say the man speaking to the public said he would define the word run. You'd be like, that doesn't use the definition of the word in any context. You're not using it. Imagine if a kid was at a spelling bee and they were like, um, your word, son, is onomatopoeia. And the kid went, um, can you use it in a sentence? And he went, yes. The judge said the word onomatopoeia. You'd be like, what? <laughs> That's not describing anything. You know, so uh, here's, here, there's, there's a good joke about spelling bees where it's like the kid comes up and uh, the judge is like, your word is there. And then the kid's like, okay, can you use it in a sentence? And he goes, over there was a dog that was theirs or something like that, right? It uses both. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Making a sentence, you describing a word or saying a word is not the same. I, I know you get it. But the point is, you see how they're lying. Any reasonable person knows that to use a slur, slurs are intended to be derogatory statements aimed at someone and a racial slur is on racial grounds. To use it would be to cause, you know, to, to direct hatred towards someone with that word. Joe did, never did that. Not once. Ever. Never. Maybe, I don't know. I've never seen it because he's, he's not that guy as far as I can tell. He has said the word. But we're in the day and age where the media will lie. And I got to be honest, I'm not so sure it really matters anymore. We're so divided, ripping each other to shreds. Do I care? The parallel economy has been born, my friends. I warned of this back in 2018. It has been born. And um, I, I don't care about what CNN says anymore. I don't care about what they write. It's like, do you read the French newspaper? You don't? Why not? Don't you care what the people of France have to say? You don't? Well, it's no disrespect to the people of France. I just don't live there. I don't know what's going on. I don't care about their perspective. It's not part of my world. So when these crackpot cultists come out and say the sky is green, I'll be like, they can believe whatever they want. It has nothing to do with me. 
I take a look at what's going on with real news. I take a look at what's going on with the reporters on the ground at these events. Why am I bothered with what CNN writes in their garbled onion, you know, newspaper, right? The, the CNN is basically the onion, but not funny. Actually, actually, I got to admit, this is one, this one is kind of funny. A white person could never use. Yeah, well, CNN took it down. They changed it. It's the same article. Why shrugging off Joe Rogan's use of the and they're trying to do it. They're just getting mocked and roasted over the sheer absurdity of this. Check this out. Joe Rogan knows. All right. Joe said the attempt to cancel him over a podcast is a political hit. I believe he said a yeah, political hit job. So Joe gets it. I get it. He says they're taking all of this stuff that I've ever said that's wrong and smushing it all together. Referring to the videos that, you know, come out. The host has already apologized saying it looks effing horrible. It's good because it makes me address some ish that I really wish wasn't out there. Uh, he told his guest. Obviously, this is a political hit job, but with me. He knocked those who like to dig up old things you said to get you in trouble like it's a game. It's not productive. Like, if you're spending all your time trying to attack a person versus trying to be better yourself, you're not going to do as well. No, no, no. Come on, man. You were right, Joe. It's a political hit job. They don't care about you. You're ancillary. The goal is to claim that American culture is deeply white supremacist and evil and racist. So they're lying about you using the N-word. That's why they're doing this in the first place. That's why apologizing was a mistake. So here's what happens. Not everybody in the world watches Joe Rogan. The Democrats and the left and his activists and super PACs are trying to convince people that America is racist. So when a video comes out of Joe Rogan saying the N-word descriptively over and over again, they cut it out of context. They then tell everyone the biggest podcast in the world host was saying these things. They don't care about what you've actually done or said. They're lying to people. Then Joe comes out and says, yo, I'm really sorry about all those things I said. And they go, see, he admitted it. He admitted it. It's not about what Joe said. It's about the fact that people liked the show. America is deeply racist. It's not Joe's, you know, responsibility to fight for this country, its culture or free speech or anything like that. And I mean that with, all, with, with complete respect. It's not. He's a guy who wants to talk about stuff and have a show. Seems like he doesn't want to be in the middle of, you know, serious conflict. But, you know, here it is politically because his show is so big. He can't get around it. The reality is, I think we're beyond the uh, army building stage of this anyway. So... What they're doing is they're trying to squeeze lemon juice out of a turnip. I know there's another phrase for it. There's another, that's not really the way you explain it. But, you know, I think they've just squeezed the last drop out of everything they can. And they're hoping that there are still some people they can try and convince to join their ranks. No, I think most people are totally over this. Just so done. Just so, so done. Man, when they come out and they say someone was offended, I'm like, there was a period where I cared that you were offended. There really, really was. I thought it was silly and I'd say things like, yo, you got to calm down. It's not that bad. Because I treated you as the offendees, as um, my brothers, my sisters, my family members, my country, men and women. When I saw that you were hurting or offended, I'd say, no, we got to get through this. Don't be offended. Let me explain to you. Then there came to a point where I said, these people are just lying. Now I'm at the point where I'm like, dude, we're not even the same country anymore. I don't know where you live. I don't know what you do. I don't know why you believe this garbage. But what you say, think, or do has no bearing on me whatsoever. You want your blue state to have your blue state garbage mandates? Whatever, man. I live in West Virginia. We don't have any of that stuff. 
We live normal lives. Don't like it? Don't come here. You don't like Florida? Cry about it. You don't like Ron DeSantis? You don't live there? Shut up. I'm at that point. I think this country has been ripped asunder. So if people are going to come up and start talking about how they're offended, this, that, or otherwise, I'll be like, dude, if you're offended by this, you have nothing to do with, with my life. I don't go to Bernie Sanders rallies and try and sell candy bars to people to make money. I don't go to Democrat politician parties and sign autographs and shake hands. It has nothing to do with any me. Has nothing to do. Has nothing. Has nothing to do with anything about me. I'm over it. I sh- I'm just here to do my thing. You know, talk about what I care about. Talk about about what I believe in. But if you're in a cult, by all means, stay in your cult. I don't care. Leave me out of it. When you take a look at independent voters and Republicans, you can see that they're more in alignment with each other than Democrats. So the outgroup really is the Democrats. The crazy cult really is the Democrats. Now, they get some things right, for sure. Republicans get some things wrong. But when you look at this stuff, I'm pretty sure the 11 million people who watch each episode of Joe Rogan's show trust him more than you and don't care about your insults, smears, or lies. That's why I said apologizing was a mistake. Because I don't think it matters for the most part. But the goal is just to smear the United States as deeply racist, offensive, wrong. Joe Rogan is proof. Look at everything he said and done. But it's remarkable how people believe this. And it's remarkable how obvious it is with CNN when they do that stupid garbage. January 6th moment. Oh, please spare me. Are there people who really still fall for this? We're heading towards parallel economies. Parallel economies beget civil wars, man. More and more people are going to start looking for right-wing opportunities, right-leaning or freedom-oriented. Like I've been saying, don't start a show on YouTube. There's, it's, the risk is too high. There's no reward. There's no upside. It's almost impossible for new channels to get monetized in the first place unless you, unless you have connections. Go to Rumble. Go to Rumble where there's a growing new audience. Provide value to Rumble and help Rumble build up their library. Rumble's not perfect either. There's no guarantee you'll be safe there, but at this point, why bother signing up for a platform that would destroy your life and that is run by people who are insane? We're still here. We still use the platform, but I think it's only a matter of time. Anyway, I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.